Hey, this morning I want to continue to push into a little bit of a series that we're, going to op- we're starting to open up, which is in the resurrection of Jesus and in his ascension, uh, he makes a declaration, and we see it in Revelations 21, where he, from his place of ascendancy, articulates these words, I'm making all things new. This is what Jesus is doing right here, right now. He's making all things new. And we're going to push into that because it's got, some, it's got some really big implications about how we do life as the people of Jesus together here at the Vineyard and how we do kingdom life as individuals in the various places that we do every day. Um, now, last week, you'll remember that we spoke about how when you get connected to Jesus, you get connected to a few different realities you, and some of the things that he makes new in our life. First thing is he, he brings us into his kingdom. When we say yes to Jesus, we actually are coming out from underneath the kingdom that we were born into. The Genesis account tells us the account of how we were born into, because of sin, born into a usurped kingdom where we gave away our rightful place as the, as the children of God and we chose to believe a lie instead of what we'd already been given, which is as the highest part of God's good creation, to reflect his character into the earth and to take the praises and worship of earth and bring it back to our creator. We, we gave away that, that wonderful place when we said yes to the, the lies of the enemy by eating the apple. And then sin and shame and brokenness from that point on, everyone was born in and underneath that usurped, broken kingdom. So to say yes to Jesus is to come out from underneath the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of the son that he loves. There's a massive spiritual transaction that takes place. And there is often associated with it, not just a coming alive of our intellect to that, but also our hearts come alive to that truth Our physical bodies come into the power of that truth and we experience the inbreaking of the coming future, the kingdom of God in Jesus. We experience the kingdom of God. Our sins are forgiven. We're set free. We We also, in Jesus, we get a new father. No longer do we listen to the lies of the enemy. The enemy is no longer our father because we've had this transaction. We've gone from his kingdom and into God's kingdom where now we get the Father of Jesus Christ is our Father. No longer is the Father of lies our Father. We have a new Father. Now the, pro- the challenge is when we've been born under one Father, we have learned a way of identity and what we think it means to be a child under the lies of the Father of lies. But when we come into Jesus Christ, we now come out of that and we come into who his father says we are as his children, that we are the children of God. We're now, as Romans 8 tells us, filled with the Spirit. We're a people who now cry, Abba, Father, our true Father. And that in seeing Jesus, we connect with the Father. Even Jesus said, you know, when you've seen me, you have seen the Father. That in coming into relationship with Jesus, we get to now have relationship with the Father, the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, who looks upon us and says he is pleased with us, 
That even in the baptism of Jesus, we see the Father speaking over Jesus in Luke chapter 3, over Jesus in that baptism moment, he says, you're my son with whom I'm well pleased. And to that point, Jesus hasn't done much other than be Jesus, human being following God, a son of his immediate family, earthly family, trying to be a good Jewish kid and, 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 and have a vocation. Do well in his vocation of a carpentry. An everyday person, human being, like you and me. But in that baptism moment, the spirit of the Lord comes upon him and says, before you've even done a thing, I am so pleased with you. You're my son. In your baptism, in your baptism, and if you haven't been baptized, there is something that happens in the transaction that is spiritual and powerful in getting in the water. If you haven't been baptised, get baptised. Come and talk to one of the team. We'll help you get sorted out on that. But be baptised. In, in your baptism, you too have now, before you've done anything, God has coronated you with his affirmation and says, you're my son's. You're my daughters. Because baptism is an outward sign, isn't it, of an internal truth where we've actually chosen to agree with the work of the Spirit that says, I'm now no longer under that father of lies. I'm under the father of Jesus, and I choose to live according to his kingdom worldview. We live with a good father. He's not cranky at us. That all got settled way, way, way over here on this thing. And the father wasn't cranky at Jesus. What the father dealt violently with there through Christ in his flesh on the cross was the power of sin and death. That's what the father was going after. He wasn't whipping Jesus because he thought Jesus was a bad boy. He was going after the sin and the death that was so pervasive in every single human being and he was taking it to hell and he was crushing it and then rising victoriously over the power of it to, in, to institute and inaugurate. It's a new day. God is good. His kingdom is here. He's a loving father. And if you give him half the chance with just the slightest crack open of the door of your heart, he will invade that with his love and he will, he will go after everything that wants to kill and destroy you that that old father put into play so that you can have resurrection life. Man, you're all sitting here because you've tasted of the future age. And we sit here and we go... Give me some more of that, God. More of you. I want more of your father. We get a new father. We get a new life to live. And we get a new family. We belong to a family. No longer are we isolated. We're a part of a people. We're a part of a church. Last week, I, I left you with a few questions at the end of the week, uh, at the end of the message to go into this week. And we, we asked you uh, just a few things. Um, about God wanting to make every part of your daily life glorious with his presence. I had a moment of that this week. It was a cracking moment. And the moment was, and I had to, like, because of, of our work and travel 
deal. It'd been, it had been a few weeks since the rubbish bins had been cleaned out at home. And uh, so they were full of, you know, stink <laughs> and maggots. It was full of stink and maggots. The bin had been emptied out. It was on the footpath, and I opened it up. I'm like, whoo, that thing needs some cleaning. So I just pulled it over to the side of the house, pulled out the hose, and started hosing all of the stink and the maggots out of the bin. And in that moment, I just had this encounter with the love of God. He wanted to fill my everyday stinky bin cleaning moment with his glorious presence. I had one of those this week because that's because my father, the father of Jesus, my new father in the kingdom of God, he loves me and he wants, to know, he wants me to know when Jesus said, I'm with you always, even when you're cleaning out the stinky bin. Even when you're cleaning out the stinky bin. We get a new life. We get to be a part of God. His glorious presence fills every part of our day, the good stuff and the hard stuff. And in the, the other thing that we asked at the end of last week is we get to do life with God in those small moments and we get to do life with God in the big moments. Our lives are made up of these really what we think is menial moments and it's also made up with these incredibly complex, challenging, difficult moments. Everything in between. God wants to fill that by us being in Jesus Christ. Alive in us, the hope of God, alive in us in the everyday moments. And the other thing we touched on last week before we um, finished off last week was the fact that we said God, when we're in Jesus, helps us to begin to see others even as the Father does. Even as we begin to understand how much God sees us as this new creation in Jesus Christ, not holding our sin against us. That's been removed. He sees us as his children, carrying his identity, carrying his authority, his power, his message, his love into the world. He sees us like that. We also, by the power of the Spirit, begin to see each other like that. Now, this week I had some great moments of success in that, of seeing people like the Father does. I also had some terrible failures this week at that, of seeing people like the Father does. You can ask my children. You can go and ask my children. They'll tell you. you know, he's not, he had a few failures when it came to the way he was looking at me and talking to me. I had some great successes, and I also had some great failures. But in, God was there with me in all of it, inviting me to grow up, to be more like him, and to live in his story. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is King. He's giving us, making all things new. He's making you new. He's making me new. He's making us new. He's making our town, our city new. And he's making our country new and all of the peoples of the earth new as people come alive to God in Jesus. And we talked about last week how God is on about Christ-likeness, making us more like Jesus. We love that here at the Vineyard, that God wants to make us more like Jesus. This week, I want to quickly touch on another area that we really value because we, when we come into the kingdom, we, come in, we receive a whole new value system. We love discipleship. 
This is one of the things that was right on the heart of Jesus, his parting words to his people, even as he's ascending. He says, go on, get busy, go and make disciples. Go and make disciples. It's interesting. Jesus didn't say, go and win converts. Jesus did say, go and make disciples. Now, disciples are people who have made a decision for Christ that has converted their life. Absolutely. But Jesus said, go and make disciples. Go and make lots of Jesus-type people to run around in the earth and do Jesus stuff. He didn't say, go and make a convert so that they'll get to heaven. I know I'm pushing on some historical frameworks there for people. He did say, go and make disciples to go and partner with God, advancing his kingdom into the earth so that people would come into the future restoration of all things in Jesus, the heaven and the earth. He said, go and make disciples. Go and make Jesus people. Here in the vineyard, our intent is to teach all of our, all believers, to believe in Jesus' words, obey his commands, to do his works. And we first, we aim first to grow as disciples of Jesus ourselves, and then make disciples of others. Jesus said to them in Matthew 28, 18, go and make disciples of all nations, nations meaning people groups, language groups, people that speak all different languages and tongues. All, all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you to the very end of the age. Can I just note at this point that God has given to each of us, to you and to me, the highest of callings when he says, I call you disciple. There is no higher calling than to be called a disciple of the living God. Disciple is an interesting word. It really literally means to be a, be a student. And even more than just, you know, because our mind automatically goes to a bit, bit of a context like this where someone stands up the front, does a whole bunch of this, and then you sit there and go, hmm, I've learned something, and off you go. That's an aspect of being a student, the other aspect of this idea of being a disciple literally means to be an apprentice. An apprentice. So, for example, um, uh, Jake over here, he is an apprentice electrician. And what that means is, every day, he has to get up really, really early. Why does he have to get up really, really early? Because his boss is up very, very early. And the role of a disciple or an apprentice is to be so close to the boss and what the boss is doing, it's like you can mirror every move that the boss does in learning the trade of your boss. And so he's up early, crack of dawn, and guess what? When you're an apprentice and a disciple, you ask Jake, the pay is no good. The pay is no good because it's not about the pay. 
It's not about the pay. It's about the fact that he's receiving a trade that he can take into all of his life. This is what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. It's not about the pay. We didn't sign up to get rich. We, got, we signed up to become more like Jesus. Because in being more like Jesus, we become more like his Father, our Father. Let me just make that point clear. To be a disciple of Jesus is to receive the highest of callings. Jesus didn't say to us, go and build a crowd. He said, he didn't say to us, go and build a following. He didn't say to us, particularly in this era of, 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 of hyper-connectivity through social media, he did not say, become an influencer. He said, be a disciple and make disciples. Now, Jesus had plenty of crowds around him all the time that he was influencing. Why? Because he was working with a dozen people and some more probably immediately around that group. But these people who had given themselves to wanting to learn the life of Jesus as Lord, as a son, a true son of the living God, they saw in him an invitation when he said, come, follow me. They saw in him an invitation to live life as if God is good, his kingdom rules forever, and God actually gets to have his way, and I actually come alive. That's what disciples do. The crowds come because disciples do Jesus stuff. You don't build the crowds in the hope to make disciples. You build disciples, the crowds come. Disciples are men and women of God who are fully alive in God, partnering with his love and his power, seeing his kingdom advancing in the here and now. And this is perhaps one of our greatest challenges in this generation, is to resist the power of, of vain glory and to walk in true authority and true humility underneath who God says we really are as his children. That's a really big one for this time. On Friday, I had the um, incredible privilege of grabbing a couple of hours to shoot down to northern New South Wales and see a good friend of mine. And many of you know him, is Ken Fish. And Ken has been travelling to um, Australia for over 30 years now, but particularly in the last 10 years, he has travelled to Australia something like maybe about 80-something 80, 80 times. He's, he's travelled in total to Australia 97 times in that 30-year period, but it's in the last 10 years that something like 85 or 86 has been just in this last 10-year period. And the reason why he comes is to make disciples of Jesus. And he keeps coming and he keeps coming and he keeps coming. And there's a few things that I've learned by hanging around him. And there's a few questions that I've been processing with regards to particular areas of the ministry of healing, the healing of Jesus, and why sometimes my, um, like I'm getting some success in some really difficult areas with regards to physical healing and praying for people, but then there's some areas I'm still like, yeah, it feels like I, I still need to learn something here. I don't think I'm seeing the whole picture. So I went down and grabbed Ken and had a quick bite of lunch with him 
And then I just like, listen, mate, you've been in these situations before. What happens when you come into this situation? What do you do? And I was just like, all ears. And he just recounted to me a couple of illustrations, a couple of stories, a couple of moments, and I felt like, yes, that's, I just, that's helpful. I feel like that gave me a little bit more of a key or a resource or a, a, a tool of the kingdom life to be able to then put into play. You see, I, I, I think we're all invited to have these people in our life who follow hard after Jesus and are a few pages in front of us. And we get to be apprentices of where we see Jesus at work in their life. A disciple is someone who is following Jesus as Lord, following him, him as king, and following him as teacher in all areas of life. Um, <clears throat> Just in that little statement there, there's a, few, there's a few words there in that philosophical statement there that I just want to quickly pick up on. Firstly this, believe. We actually want to be a people as disciples who believe who Jesus says he is as both the son of God and the true human being. We want to believe that he has introduced us to his father, and we also want to believe in his prophetic declaration over the disciple. And the prophetic declaration that Jesus has spoken over Jesus' people in the earth is this. Believe me when I'm saying that the Father, I'm in the Father, the Father's in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. And very truly, here's the prophetic word of Jesus to anyone who wants to be his disciples... Whoever believes in me will do the works I've been doing. They'll do even greater things than these because I'm returning to the Father. Now, that's a confronting invitation from Jesus. Yet, it's his declared future over anyone that says, I want to be a disciple of Jesus. I'm still getting to the place where I just want to even like get within, you know, a couple of hundred metres of the effectiveness of Jesus. But there's an invitation there to take that journey. That's what disciples do. We want to be like Jesus. And Jesus says, one day, you'll be so like me, you'll even be able to do bigger and more crazy stuff than I was able to do while I was with you. To believe in Jesus is a decision about a destination, about where you will end up in your eternal life. To say, I believe in Jesus is a decision about a destination. And some of you in this room this morning, you need to make a decision about that destination. Jesus is inviting you to answer that question, what happens to me after I die? But at the same time, to believe in Jesus is also to make a decision about the fact that I woke up today, what's God doing and am I a part of that? It's both a destination and a daily life. This is what discipleship is. We believe in Jesus. We um, also obey Jesus. This is my command. Love each other. If you love me, keep my command, John 14. 1 John 5, 1 to 4. Everyone who believes that Jesus Christ is born of God and everyone who loves the Father loves his child as well. In other words, he's saying, hey, if you love God... Love me too, because I'm with him, he's with me. Um, this is how we know that we love the children of God, by loving God and carrying out his commands. 
In fact, this is love for God, to keep his commands, and his commands are not burdensome, for everyone who's born of God overcomes the world. Obedience is a daily lifestyle of the disciple. The smallest and most powerful response that a disciple can give, the highest accolade that we can give to Jesus is these two words. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. It's the highest accolade that we can give to Jesus because in doing so, we're saying you're the one who's mastered life. You're the one who's mastered what it means to be a human being, fully alive, living to God. You're the one who's mastered what it means to overcome the power of sin and death. You are the one who died and rose again and cancelled the power of all sin. You're the the master. You know how to make wine out of water. You know how to feed 5,000 from just a few loaves. You're the master. So when you say to me, hey, would you come with me and do this? in my daily life, allow ourselves to be stretched, the highest response we could ever give to Jesus is those two words, yes and Lord. Because in doing that, we're saying, you the king. I'm I'm the disciple. You the king. You the king. We also want to uh, do what Jesus does. We want to be a people who walk in the freedom and the power of doing life, what it looks like to be loved by a father who says, I'm so pleased with you. I'm so um, affirming of who you are. And in our baptism, we have acknowledged that even before we've done a thing. But as we rise up out of the waters of baptism, we want to partner with what we see God doing in the everyday moments. Jesus in John 5.19, he says this, my father is always at work to this very day. I tell you very truly that the son can do nothing by himself and he can only do what he sees the father doing. There's a lot of do-do, isn't there? (laughs) He's redefining do-do, Corey. It's all right. There's a lot of doing going on. But the framework here is one of deep relationship where Jesus is living in relationship with the Father, just like you and I, and we want to be like Jesus. We want to see what our Father is doing in every situation. It's like this morning Nicole was saying, she's in next door, I'll tell a little story on her. She's working with the children today. Um, <clears throat> she said, I was just here this morning and she said, um, she said, I was just walking the door and I met this lady who I've never met before and... and um, as uh, she came in, this lady said, oh, I've got all of these things that I want to give your mercy ministry. And Nicole said, oh, that's wonderful. And, and she said, and the lady went on to talk a little bit about how she'd um, given so- these sorts of things away to different organisations and groups before. And Nicole was like, that's really great. But Nicole was in a hurry to get in next door to pray with her team before this morning working with the children. So she's kind of like present, but she's also headed for another destination all at the same time. Have you ever been in a situation like that? Hmm. Every day. I hear that, Dave Hockey. (laughs) Every day. Every day. It's like you've got to be present and yet you're on your way somewhere. It's the tension that we live in every day. And so she's talking away to this lady and the lady says to her, what is this place? She walks in here and she goes, what is this place? And Nicole goes, oh, we're, we're a church. We love Jesus here. 
our, our mercy ministry that you've come to give us some things for, that's, that's an expression of our heart together with God. And she goes, really? And then Nicole's like, she says to me, she says, I have to confess, I had to get next door to be with the kids team. And she said, so I interrupted the whole thing with a question. And she said to the lady, would you like me to pray for you? And the lady said, yes, please. And so Nicole just partnered with the heart of the Father. She had a physical condition that she wanted touched by the love of God. And so Nicole just prayed and asked for the kingdom to come and spoke to the condition. And the woman received a touch from Jesus, tears, and the confession of her heart was, I'm a, I'm a lapsed follower of God. You know, it just brings the prodigals home. Destination, I've got to get in there, but I've got to be present. Doing what the father's doing. Yes, the father was in next door, and yes, the team was able to start to get themselves organised and together, but the father was also about business right here, right there. How often do we miss what the father's doing for the fact that we think we need to be somewhere else than actually present where we are with him? Remember what I said last week? There's a big difference between being hurried and busy. We're all busy. Jesus was busy, but he was never hurried. There's a big difference. But we want to be like Jesus. We want to be disciples that do what he does. We want to heal like he heals. We want to proclaim health and life like he does. We want to proclaim forgiveness of sins like he does. We want to proclaim life and hope to those who have no hope. We want to speak. We want to partner with with the poor. We want to see them come into the provisions of the kingdom and the generosity of our God. We want to do all of that. We want to be like Jesus. We want to do what we see the Father doing. Like this morning, a whole bunch of you just came out the front here and said, stretch me, O God. That's what the Father was doing in that moment. That's why we went there. Because that's what the Father was doing. Yes, we had a destination to try and get you all out of here by 11.15. But that's what the Father was doing. And so we just had to like, okay, let's these things, let's reorganise that. Let's be present. We want to do exactly what our Father does. We want to bring life. We want to see his kingdom come into the lives of the people that we live among and the city, and our city and our town. And we want to see God setting people free. We want to see the enemy's rule and reign broken off of people's lives and the generosity of Jesus invade them forever. We want to do what the Father's doing. And we want to grow, lastly, or we want to grow. We want to be lifelong learners. I love it. There's a story in Luke chapter 11, verse 1, where the disciples see Jesus praying. It says, at a certain time and a certain place, Jesus was praying. And when he finished praying, one of his disciples said, teach us to pray. Now, my understanding of that text, as I kind of read into that life situation, is that that disciple that asked that question was actually watching Jesus said, I, I, I want to pray like you pray. I want, to, I want to talk with God like you talk with God. I want... He was, Jesus was his Lord and the disciple was a really great student in that moment. And then Jesus gives him this whole lesson. Hey, when you pray, pray like this. And he went on to articulate what that looks like. But that's interesting. He went to a certain place. 
And I just want to ask the question, what are the certain places or the, the different places in your life right now where God is actually at work and he's wanting to teach you if we would just watch what he's doing in our relationships, in regards to how to do kingdom in relationships, how to do kingdom in our marriages, how to do Jesus stuff in regards to healing the sick and casting out demons, how to do it like Jesus would in regard to parenting our children, how to do kingdom like Jesus does with regards to our financial stewardship and generosity, how to pray like Jesus prays, how to do workplace relations like Jesus would, how to live with our eyes open, paying attention to everything that's going on around us like Jesus does, because he says, my father's always at work. And yet Jesus was never hurried. How to do the kingdom against the forces of darkness over our homes, over our street, over our schools, over our universities, over our vocational spaces and where we're studying. How does Jesus, how are you doing this, God? And am I paying attention to that, that you could teach me to show me how I can do this with you? That's what disciples of Jesus are like. And then they duplicate. They make more sons and daughters of the Father who look like Jesus. Our intent is to teach all believers to believe in Jesus' words obey his commands, to do his works, but we first aim to grow as disciples of Jesus ourselves and then to make disciples of others. Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, therefore go and make disciples of all nations. And let me just say this for the record. When you posture your life to say, Lord, I want to be a disciple like you, but I also want to make disciples like you make disciples, let me just say this for the record, you don't get to pick who he sends to disciple. You just don't. It's not like the schoolyard where everyone stands in the line and there's two captains and you're hoping by goodness that that captain picks you. Because you want to be on their team. You, you, you don't have that. You only get to live out with who Jesus sends to you. There's a new value system for our life. And this value system is the kingdom of God. Whoop. Where we believe, we obey, we do, we grow and we duplicate You know, in my context, this is Kirk Delaney in his vocational space, I get the opportunity to equip some people to do like what I do in terms of teaching people in public spaces. But more than anything, the thing that I love the cut and thrust of is actually being able to model the whole of my life of what it means to be a dad trying to raise teenage young adults in this context, in this world, of what it means to be a good citizen to my community, 
of knowing how to honour both God and the people of, and the, and the, the um, authority structures in the land that God puts in place and to be able to honour that. I, I, I mean, that's the cut and thrust of my real life. You get to see me for an hour or two Sundays, maybe one in three if you're here then that often. You know, you, you only get to see this, bit of, this, this much of my life. You don't get to see the other 24 hours of the day with me. But that's the cut and thrust of where I get to do life with Jesus. That's the cut and thrust of where you get to do life with Jesus and to be his disciple. I think this is a great season that we're coming into of the renewing work of God for us as a people and his good kingdom future for our, for, for our, our purposes here at Vineyard Pine Rivers. He wants to, like last week, we value being like Christ, and this week we value being his disciples. We want to posture ourselves like Jake does every morning, gets up and goes to work so that he might learn and grow and become more confident in the application of the vocation that he's in. Same with you and me in following Jesus. We want to grow in these tools of the kingdom, our identity and our destiny in God. This is a great thing that's going on right now. I pray that we have the eyes to see it what the Father is up to. He's giving us a whole new set of values for our life. And this morning, Jesus is inviting you to be his disciple. And he's inviting you to go and make disciples in the cut and thrust of everyday life, of what it means to be a good parent, a good husband, a good partner, a good, a good friend, a, a, a good citizen, and so on and so on and so on. The cut and thrust of partnering with Jesus bringing the kingdom to people's lives. Why don't we stand and pray? Father, just thank you for your, um, your love for each of us so clearly displayed in your son, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, that you took on flesh and you came and made your dwelling among us and you showed us what it means to live a full life under a good father. And I thank you, Lord Jesus, in, that, in your obedience and your, your humility with the help of the Father, you broke the power of sin and death. And you set us free. God, you set us free. Oh, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. That we are no longer bound by sin and shame, but we've been liberated into a kingdom of generosity and love and affirmation and of truth. And I just pray this morning, Heavenly Father, that as we're standing here right now, that you would pour out your spirit again, like there's been waves of your spirit here this morning. We're just asking, come again, Holy Spirit. We love your presence. We love how you bring the revelation of the love of God to us in Jesus. We love how you tap our lives and you say, here, come on, give that to me. You don't have to walk with that anymore. I dealt with that for you. You can be free of that. Just, just hand that off to me. 
Thank you that you've set us free. Thank you that you heal us. You heal our hearts. You heal our minds. You heal our body. You heal our life. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And this morning, Lord, by the power of your spirit, you're inviting us again into this fresh reality of living from this value of being a disciple of Jesus. We want to, I want to be a disciple of Jesus. I want to posture my life as a student, as an apprentice of Jesus, and then make a few others just like you, Lord Jesus, that my life somehow would, with the people that rub against my life, would somehow be more like Jesus by the time that's finished. I thank you that it's not rocket science. I thank you that it's not complex. I thank you that it's just about being alive to you, God, and alive to people around us that need your love. So I pray in the name of Jesus, the complexity of religion and method, I pray in the name of Jesus, that would just just be washed off you. Just be washed off each and every one of us. This whole idea of this is hard or complex or it's religious. I just, I just set you free from that in the name of Jesus. You don't, live un- you don't have to live under that. And I just invite you into the generosity of knowing God. Knowing the love of the Father, even as you experience Jesus today. Holy Spirit, come. Make this real for each of us, Lord. Come, Holy Spirit.